and we're queers and stuff, and we're Allison, and we're Shan, and this is Vintage Lesbians. Hello and welcome to Vintage Lesbians, a personal journey of friendship and queer history where we try to set the record a little less straight. My name is Allison, and I'm one of your hosts. And I am Shan, your other host. Yeah, hooray! We d- we did it. An introduction. <laughs> Another successful introduction. Things are going so well so far. We've done it. We should end here before any mistakes are made. That was Vintage Lesbians. <laughs> Please right. rate and, re- and 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 support. We'll be back Subscribe. in two weeks. Uh, this joke is always funny. Do crimes. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, Leslie. We love you. Bye. Bye. All right. Now that we okay. aren't recording, can I tell you more? Well, Shan, first, mm. I would like to. I want. I do want. I. I still want to know about Queen. I. I still want to know about uh, a vintage gay. Okay. A thing. Well, I'll tell you more about this person. But first, should we should we keep recording just for for fun? Oh, I've already clicked off. Oh. Okay. So this is just, just gonna be a, two of us. This is weird talking to you without recording. I know, but I think it'll be good for us. How far do you think we can push this joke before people get annoyed? <laughs> Shane. All right. Yes. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? Um. I'm I'm doing okay. I have making like small mistakes and having small things go wrong and having muscle spasms at the exact wrong time and things keep breaking and I keep like did somebody did somebody hex me? Maybe. I want to know because if they did that's annoying, but also I could just cleanse myself, I guess. If anyone put a curse on Shan, you have mm. to tell us or it's entrapment. This is definitely not a curse. It's a hex at best. If anyone put a hex at best on Shan, you have to tell us or it's entrapment. <laughs> Gotcha. I'll be sad, but yeah, I, I I just keep like making silly mistakes, and I'm I keep getting frustrated with myself, and because I don't always have the ability to uh, regulate my emotions, it causes some just you know weeping, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just general weeping and feeling like I'm you know the worst and worthless and stuff like that. Um, but luckily, I have support system that reminds me that that's not true what if um i started carrying little bags of salt around with me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and in an effort to cleanse you every time you said something bad about yourself i just like threw salt in your face <laughs> oh my god i it, i it would have an effect mm-hmm. i don't know if it would be the effect the de- the desire i mean you'd close your eyes I do also have glasses, so I have like a minor shield, but I mm-hmm. I think I would dislike that okay. very much. Well, we'll go back to the drawing mm-hmm. board. Yeah, we'll we'll figure something out. We will figure something out. Oh, also, I started drawing maps. Yeah, I've been watching you draw some of them, and they're very good. I um, you have fancy map making software. I have like, I I I, I have vaguely fancy map making software. It's it's just like a, an online program. <laughs> <laughs> and a $30 program that I purchased from an internet man. But I'm I, it's, it's really fun. I'm trying to let myself make mistakes. It's very hard cuz I'm like trying to do I'm trying to I'm trying to make this map right of a of a world that I created in my head and it can literally look like anything and the explanation is it's fucking magic, but I keep like, "Oh, there shouldn't be that many rivers in this world." And I'm <sighs> I just keep second guessing myself. Well, and you I know need to stop is what i need if you pull out one of those maps at dungeons and dragons and you show it to the kids or something mm-hmm. they'll look at it and they'll be like dang there's so many rivers here 
this whole experience is ruined for me. Yeah, you're probably right. Mm -hmm. They would never speak to me again. Yeah. Or conversely, they'd be like, wow, this is a pretty dank map. (laughs) Thanks, Papa Shan. (laughs) Do I sound like a teen? Vaguely. Vibe check. You're doing okay. One of of the teens called me Dice Daddy, and I did not like that. (laughs) I said, no, no. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Dice father, if you must. (laughs) Would you take, like, a Dice Papa? Yes, I would take a Dice Papa. Dice Papa? Because then I just think of a small peasant child. Dice Papa. And uh, they are cute and they need no care because they are self-sufficient from a young age. Hmm. Those ragamuffins. (laughs) Allison, how are you? Shan, I have been considering what I would discuss with you during this segment. For we've had some time and it's been a holiday weekend. I have so many things I could mine for content i got a haircut you sure did thanksgiving but then last night i was listening to a podcast in bed as i was falling asleep as i am wont to do and the host said something during one of the ad breaks and i sat up in bed and i grabbed my phone and i made a note of it so that i would remember to talk about it with you because something was said that i think we need to take a strong stance against i'm ready i'm i'm stealing myself Shan? I'm steeled. I think we need to stop calling things buttery soft. Because it's gross. And no one wants to wear a sweater that feels like butter. Who is calling things buttery soft? There are these people. It was a love it or leave it ad. Okay. They're um, doing it for buttery soft cashmere. Butter isn't soft. Butter's soft if you think about it. It it lacks friction if that's what your, like, measure of soft is because it's greasy. I wouldn't call that soft. I would call that greasy. But they didn't make up the phrase buttery soft. I know they didn't, but I I really don't like it. It's bad. I'm fine with buttery smooth. I'm fine with, like... I'm fine with buttery. her Her legs will, like, butter. You know, I'm fine with that. Are you... Yes, but only in, because it's that sketch and it's very funny okay. to me. Have you seen her legs? They're like butter. I don't know what you're referencing, but I feel like I am referencing <laughs> a very old Saturday Night Live sketch. Ah, I see. <laughs> I agree with you. Buttery soft is a bad phrase and it should go away. Buttery smooth is a fine phrase that should be used sparingly. Stop comparing things to butter. Unless. Unless. It's actually unless buttery. It's like butter. Like unless if, it feels like if unless it's like, like greasy and cold like butter, mm-hmm. or if there's a lot of butter in something, and you want to call it buttery, then yeah, you can call that you buttery. Do it. But you don't need to be like buttery soft. What is that? What is that? It's nothing. It's nothing. Thank you for coming with me on this journey and supporting me so strongly. You are welcome. Would you like to learn more about Christina, the Queen of Sweden? I would like to learn anything at all about her. So I was doing research on her, and I was like reading little stories about her childhood and i was like Mm -hmm. this sounds so familiar have we already done an episode on her no like did this was this a movie it was but it starred greta garbo so like i don't remember it i haven't seen it and then i realized that she was the subject of one of the royal diaries books do you remember the royal diaries she was yeah she was oh my god hold on (laughs) (laughs) i read all of those hold on christina the girl queen of sweden or Christina the Girl Queen, I think it was called. It had a sky blue cover. So while you're I'm looking, looking that up, up I'm sorry, I'm I'll like, explain I need to, know if I to our listeners read it. 
if anyone hasn't read it, there are a series of books called the Dear America books, which were diaries of different people at different influential times in American history. And then that eventually spun off into the Royal Diaries, which is the superior uh, series, in my opinion. And when I was a child, I consumed them voraciously, and I loved them a lot. Shana? I liked them both. I I loved the... Um, I just love, like, historical fiction diaries that are, like, based on semi-real things. But some things are fact. Some things are fiction. We don't know what. Um, I, I, I loved those books so much. I read them all. I read them so fast. I read them over and over again. I loved... I loved, like, the gold on the edge yeah, of the paper. Oh, feel gosh. Fancy. I haven't thought about those books in so long. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're so good. They're I so good. looked it up, and, like, I went on a whole nostalgic. My heart was, like, caught. It was good. I wonder if I could, like, buy a set. <laughs> you could. So if I'm telling you stories about her childhood, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's probably why. why probably. You and, I'm like, not they're sure not if I did read that it, far off. Few, but I, uh... It sound, it seems familiar. Like they are fictionalized, but they're they're diaries from the yeah, no, point of view of the person. But like they are pretty close to history and as we understand it. Oh, I know. They're like the sources. I used to go through like the source list in the back of those books and the the actual like factual stuff. And I, I feel I like loved it all. I learned more about world history from those books than my actual classes. It's almost like if you make things interesting, it's easier to retain the information. And they were usually idea. from the points of view of um, women and children and people who weren't like the yeah. white men that we do talk yes. about in classes. That's the other thing is these are all diaries. They're they're all they're all women. They're all women. And the um the uh, like what were the other ones called? Dear America. The Dear America Diaries. Also all girls. It's it's a great it's a great series. Mm-hmm. I I need I need it back in my life. <laughs> You're welcome. so christina was born on december 18th 1626 she was a sagittarius um i don't know her birth time but i put everything into a calculator and saw that she was also a sagittarius moon which is fun speaking of astrology she was actually born during a planetary conjunction in 1626 which caused the court astrologers to predict that the baby would grow up to be one of sweden's greatest princes and they were right oh her parents were King Gustavus Adolphus and his wife Maria Eleonora. Those are good. Those are good names. Maria Eleonora was a German princess and was considered the most beautiful queen in Europe. Christina reportedly later described her mother as having all of the virtues and vices associated with her gender. Her her gender in the 17th century. Mm-hmm. So based on mm, gross. Yeah. I'm not. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I feel like if Christina... Virtues well, and vices is... But, hmm. Hmm. Let's not spend too much time... Um, let's move on. <laughs> that made yeah. me... It makes me... I don't know what that means, you know? Yeah. It feels mean. Well, Maria also likely had some untreated mental health issues, which we may touch on later. Don't we all? Christina also eventually, spoiler alert, grew to disdain everything feminine, and she did not have a good relationship with her mom at all so there was probably some misogyny there when mm. she was like yes mm. yeah mm-hmm. mm. Mm. king queen started trying to produce heirs right away so, so they started boning mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. good cool. the only legitimate heirs at the time were the uh king of poland and his sons who had been at war with sweden for the past 26 years so they're like nah let's not have it go to them yeah that makes like a fair amount of sense i mm-hmm. guess 
their first baby was stillborn, and their second child, who was also named Christina, died after a year. That's very sad. Our Christina was their third child. Uh, when she That's was very morbid, and I'm I, I'm sure that it was some sort of tradition if if a child dies and you have another of the same gender you name them after the child that dies like i'm sure that that's a thing but i eh, and they were a very mm. like religious family mm, swedish yeah. lutheranism i'm sure christina had that, like a lot of that makes sense meaning for them huh, that's really rough when our christina was born she was covered in hair and she had a very long nose and she cried very loudly with a strong hoarse voice werewolf she's a werewolf there wasn't electricity then, so it was very poorly lit. And so everyone assumed she was a boy, presumably because no one had ever seen a baby before. Mm-hmm. And they're mm-hmm. like, deep voice mm-hmm. must be a boy. Mm-hmm. Can't think of any way that we would figure anything out there. The midwife told the queen that she had a son and word was passed on to the king. Um, oh, no. But then when they cleaned Christina up, they realized that she was a baby girl, um, as we understand it once again. Mm-hmm. Once, for some reason. The, the midwife said that the child actually had internal genitalia as opposed to external genitalia. Correct. The king's sister, Catherine, was tasked with telling the king that he had a daughter and not a son. So she Rough. bundled baby Christina up in her arms and just wordlessly kind of walked over to the king and handed her to him. And he took one look at his daughter and he was overjoyed and he started to laugh and he proclaimed, she'll be so clever, she made fools of us all. Aw, I like that. The queen wasn't so cool with it. Shocking. She wasn't known for her mental stability then, so they kept the news from her at first. She was also under a huge amount of pressure to produce a boy as if she could control that somehow. That's... God, You, I can imagine... Anyone yeah. would go crazy in that position. For real. God. Can you imagine being blamed for something that you literally have no control over? What, what would that possibly be like? Who could say? Um, All of my friends. <laughs> And me. And and most people. But yeah, mental illness, huh? Yeah. So she did eventually find out a few days later that she actually had a daughter. Mm-hmm. And so she tried to attack Christina and shouted that she would have nothing to do with her. And then yep. Christina went on to have several suspicious accidents during her childhood. Oh, God. That makes me feel a little nauseous. Yeah. So not necessarily a great relationship with her mom. So she was largely raised in her day-to-day life by her aunt, Catherine. And her Aunt Catherine was super awesome and wonderful and loving. She also reportedly had a very close and loving relationship with her father, which was great. Um, He enthusiastically embraced the idea that she would be his heir and made arrangements for her to have the um, education befitting a prince. Very good. Okay. So she was encouraged to partake in and allowed to be involved in as many masculine or feminine pursuits as she wanted. I'm I'm very glad that she got that opportunity. I'm a little annoyed that those opportunities were kept from other girls for so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And still are in a lot of places. They were in the middle of the 30-year war, which was a war that lasted a little less than 30 years. Mm-hmm. It's like 29 years, 11 yeah, it's, it's months, like, it's... three weeks yeah. in a day. Yeah. Um, it's about 30 years. It's yeah, a 30-year war. I, I, I respect Naming that. Naming conventions don't always have to be clever or correct. 100 years war didn't last 100 years. The king was frequently off fighting, and he left behind, like, very strict orders that if he were to die fighting, his sister would take care of Christina, and that Christina would um, definitely be his heir. He specifically named her the future king of Sweden, so that she would have more rights that way. And, once again, that she would continue her incredible education. 
Awesome. He did end up dying in battle on November 6th, 1632, just a month before Christina turned six. His chancellor, Axel Oxenstierna, uh, knew that a regent would be put in place for Christina and that it probably shouldn't go to the queen if they wanted their country to maintain stability. Uh, luckily, Queen Maria did not go for the regency right away. The king's death had shaken her already fragile mental state, and she went into seclusion. Hmm. This is the part that I really remembered from the Royal Diaries book. The king's body was embalmed by 1600 standards, so it wasn't, like, great. Um, I mean, embalming isn't really great anyway. Your body's still gonna, like, it's all for, it's all for looks. Yeah. But in terms of preventing putrefaction, wasn't super. It, It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. He was brought home in a coffin, and the queen ordered that he would not be buried until she would be able to be buried with him. Oh, God. So she set him up in a spare room with the windows blocked off with black velvet curtains and kept his coffin open. And that she is would disgusting. frequently go in and talk to and pat the body and seemed that she wouldn't, that she didn't notice that there was decomposition happening. Uh, she kept vigil there for hours and she would often regularly force her young daughter to also come pray with her. So this is what I mean where I'm saying let's not necessarily, like she obviously had some things that she needed help with, but I'm not a huge fan of this lady. No, I'm not. Mental illness is hard to deal with mm-hmm. and it's not your fault that you have it. But it is your responsibility to make sure that that mental illness does not cause you to abuse other people. The Chancellor, Oxenstierna, eventually had a guard posted at the room to prevent her from coming in and disturbing the body. And then the Queen was eventually persuaded to bury him in 1634, which was about 20 months later. That's that's disgusting. That's yucky. That's yucky as fuck. When Maria was in seclusion and going through all of this, Oxenstierna had brought together a regency council and passed Sweden's first constitution. So good on him. Uh, the constitution. Was it a good constitution? It seemed to be a pretty good constitution. It like I roughly skimmed the Swedish constitution Wikipedia page, and I didn't really take a lot of mental notes. Also, they might have like updated their constitution since then. Maybe. <laughs> Who would do that? Um, <laughs> I really you, think if, we should. Once you think write about... something down, you leave it like it is, no matter what you learn in the future, right? Yeah. Like, you put rules down, and then you learn, like, things about the, like, what affect those rules and maybe make some of them obsolete or wrong or impossible. You would just leave them as is and also force everyone to to hold that standard, right? That that makes more sense, I think. This was in the 1630s, and so, obviously, the Swedes of today should go back and be like, what did the people in the 1630s mean when they made this constitution? Let's follow that constitution, because they're right. Anyway, America sucks. <laughs> but it seems like a good constitution. It limited <laughs> the power of the monarchy. It created like five different branches of government. Nice, um, nice. And it created... And checks and balances. Yes, both of them. Uh-huh. And it created a regency council that Oxenstierna headed. Um, it kind of sounds like he might have been vying for power, but he actually seemed like a pretty cool dude mm-hmm. um, based on, once again... A brief Wikipedia glance. Yeah, yeah, I feel you. Like, he was known for being very pragmatic and changing his mind if something else made more sense. Mm. And, like, can you imagine, right? That's fascinating. And, like, when there weren't enough spots in the government, like, there weren't enough nobles to take all the positions in the government, he's like, all right, cool, well, let's increase the amount of education that's available for common folk and let them start taking some of those spots. Well, that's very good. Yeah. Queen Maria began to turn her attention to her daughter, 
she grew more and more jealous of Christina's relationship with Catherine, and so she had Catherine exiled for, like, a minute. Um, but the Regency Council stepped in, brought Catherine back, because the king was very explicit about how Catherine was going to raise Christina, and eventually had to exile Maria from the capital. They saw each other again sometimes. Maria was there when Christina eventually got officially coronated, um, but they never really had a strong relationship. Mm, makes sense. Um, Christina was raised by her Aunt Catherine until Catherine died in 1638 when Christina was 12. Jesus, this kid had a rough life. And after that, the council was worried that the, Christina would play favorites if she had one primary foster mother for the rest of her youth. So they had a rotating system of foster mothers and governesses to take care of her. That's really unfortunate. That's not... Children need stability. Well, she never really had the stability with a female or a maternal figure. But she still had the same kind of paternal figure through Oxel, um, Oxenstierna. And she also had Tudor, who sounded like he was pretty rad. I don't know that much about him. Uh, it's still not okay. Like, I definitely Children felt like they were raising a queen and not a person. Children need to know that they can trust when people say that they're coming back. You can't, you can't do that. And I'm, I'm, I'm certain that they did not tell her what was going on no you can't just change things on kids and not explain it it's borderline abusive in my opinion as she grew she continued to give the best education available for that time she received lessons in religion art philosophy greek latin and politics uh, she eventually became fluent in in addition to swedish um, german dutch danish french italian arabic and hebrew uh, she learned ballet. That's a which, lot of languages. I did ballet. She learned ballet, which she didn't love as much. And then she also learned fencing, horsemanship, hunting, and sports. Nice. She wore men's clothing most of the time and spoke out against ever marrying. She secretly began to start being interested in Catholicism when <laughs> she was about nine and sneaky, sneaky. wrote about how she admired their virtue of celibacy. Um, interesting yeah just just something i thought i'd mention so interesting you know how nine-year-olds are always like i hope Mm. i never have to marry a boy i hope i don't ever have to have sex that sounds like bullshit uh (laughs) christina began attending council meetings when she was 14 and she dedicated herself to rising at dawn and studying for at least 10 hours every day she was so interested in learning and she just sort of threw herself into as much as she wanted she became known for her unruly mop of curls, which was just like a fun little detail that <laughs> I, I liked. Loved that. She was known for a really blunt, unfiltered way of speaking and was noted to miss a lot of subtle social nuance. And so a lot of historians think that she might have been on, on the autistic spectrum um, now. Obviously, they didn't have the same language for it then, and so we can't be for sure. But... No, then we called it changelings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that sounds like autism also okay here's a fun thing that i learned recently um there's there was a study done on like the confluence of uh autistic traits and gender variants statistically um uh, autistic folks uh have more are more likely to have like gender variants and you know yeah. non non-conformance which is cool and interesting because it does make sense because there are no rules for gender that you can actually follow so there's no like there i i can't i can't find the i can't find the thing i'm supposed to do there like when Mm -hmm. i say 
I, I want to get into this a little bit. Yeah, do it. Like the thing, the thing about I not, was hoping you not missing so like missing social cues or being blunt or whatever is when I'm out in the world interacting with other people, I am doing my best to follow these esoteric unwritten rules that neurotypical non-autistic folks just seem to know. Oh my god, are you autistic? I yes. <laughs> um and they don't ever like tell you and then when those rules are then broken for me it's a nightmare cuz now I don't know and I don't know what to do at all. Like when I say hello to someone, I expect that they'll say hello back and then we'll we'll converse. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a social interaction that's that's great like I expect when I ask someone a yes or no question they will answer me yes or no when I get an answer that's not yes or no my brain shuts down for a second because now I have to deal with this a different rule (laughs) then you change the rules on me and now I don't know how to play the game so gender being you know a concept and not a real thing is very much uh we have to figure it out because there's no rules was there a link between people who were assigned male at birth and people who were assigned female at birth? Yes, it was higher in um, those who were assigned female at birth. Which makes sense because women and people who are assigned to female at birth are expected to, like, really be into those rules. Mm-hmm. And, like, just yeah, be demure. Yeah, we're expected to really perform femininity and being a woman all the time because we're expected to, you know, be on display and not be people. Another thing, I'm not autistic, but some of my best friends are. um and one thing that i've noticed from my friends who are autistic is that i i love when you like find something that you really love and then you put everything into it and find out everything about that thing and just like oh it's the best and most incredible thing in the world (laughs) and we see christina doing that a lot which i think also kind of (laughs) drew into it in 1644 christina turned 18 and began to take on more responsibilities they were still at war so she her coronation was officially delayed but she was acting as queen She had two major goals as queen. One was to bring peace to Sweden, and the other was to make Sweden an internationally renowned center of art and learning. Ooh, good goals. A goal she didn't plan on was falling in love. (gasps) Intrigue. The year Christina turned 18, the Spare family, who was a politically influential family in Sweden, sent their 15-year-old daughter to become one of Christina's ladies-in-waiting. Oh, they grew very close and developed a very close friendship and eventually a probably more than friendship. I mean, you practice some snooching with your friends and you feel like, oh, it's tingly. <laughs> <laughs> they began to spend all of their free time together. And Christina was very open about how she beautiful she found Ava. Oh, also her name was Ava. <laughs> Thanks. Her name was Ava Spare. <laughs> that sounds pretty gay. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> She spoke. <laughs> literally, all they're missing is a U-Haul. <laughs> she literally moved in. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. She spoke about Ava's beauty and brains, like, endlessly. She gave her the nickname La Belle Comtesse, the beautiful countess, and referred to her as Belle. And she often referred to Ava as her bedfellow, which sources are very quick to say means. But that doesn't mean anything, because, like, it people shared their beds. Bed. It yeah. means they slept in a bed together. Mm-hmm. Like, it it doesn't have to mean something sexual, but let's be real, it Mm -hmm. probably was. She also waxed endlessly about her brilliance. Mm -hmm. Um, One time, Christina introduced her to an English ambassador and was like, and very, like, frankly told him, like, look at her, isn't she incredible? And her insides are as beautiful as her outsides. 
and like i don't know it was pretty gay god bless her spoiler alert but christina eventually left sweden we'll talk more about that fascinating in just a moment um, i i will say that like i shout about joe like all the time <laughs> and elena i just yell about them sometimes mm-hmm. to joe because they're the person i'm with most often it's, i've been the recipient of a, some joe yelling i like to yell about the people i love i remember when you were still in your courtship phase isn't that gross i hated it i hated saying it <laughs> you'd come home after spending time with joe and you'd be all like can i just tell you about my date and all the things we did you'd be all moony and super gross i liked it a lot but like <laughs> ugh. like yeah fine sure tell me we nasty <laughs> <laughs> But even after Christina left Sweden, she continued to send Ava countless letters in which she shared how much she loved her. Hmm. And apparently those letters are pretty obviously more than platonic, but I couldn't find any of them. Also, I didn't look very hard. Christina refused to marry. She had read a book about Queen Elizabeth I as a child, Mm. and she really admired how she refused to give power to a, a husband. Fuck yeah. Uh, Christina wrote an autobiography towards the end of her life, and she described her feelings as an insurmountable distaste for marriage. (laughs) Not an insurmountable distaste for men. (laughs) Maybe. Who could say? Given that marriage would have been to a man. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's extrapolate a little. Yeah. I think think you could draw some lines there. I think she was gay. What? Maybe. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Probably. She told her counsel that she would not marry and eventually just said, I do not intend to give you reasons. I'm just simply just not suited to marriage. So when she was 22, she named her cousin, Charles Gustav, as her heir. During her reign, um, she made good on her desire to bring peace to Sweden. This caused some animosity with Oxenstierna, the chancellor slash paternal figure. Um, she wanted to end the war and he wanted to win the war. When peace talks were called, um, Oxenstierna sent his son as the Swedish delegate and Christina sent her own delegate to oppose him and seek peace at any cost. And she Dang. eventually won. And, nice. you know, the war is over now. So It is? Yeah, it's probably why. Wait, are you sure? Mm-hmm. Okay. She also made good on her desire to make Sweden a hub of culture and learning. Uh, she established the first Swedish newspaper in 1645, and it's still in print today. It's the wow. oldest running newspaper. She set the first countrywide school ordinance, and she encouraged science and literature among people of all classes. Very good. She gave new privileges to towns um, and, and really gave power to like people who were traders, manufacturers, and miners. Um, That's really cool. She also began what she called her court of learning and became a huge patron of the arts, theater, mm-hmm. and music. Uh, Europe. I like her. Yeah, she seems pretty this, cool. I know this has come as a shock and a surprise to you and our listeners, but I like this Queen Christina. Mm-hmm. She seems like a cool lady. She does like, I mean, she was a queen in the 1600s. Oh, yeah. no, I mean, there I are some the things. That she was rich and there were several people that like anyone living in poverty while anyone is rich is a crime. But um, I like her. Yeah, she she seemed to be doing her best. She knew what she wanted. She went for it. Hell yeah. People of Europe started referring to her as the Minerva of the North, Minerva being the Roman goddess of the arts. Ah, yes. Very good. And Stockholm became known as the Athens of the North for a while. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I wonder how many other things they tried to like <laughs> tried to name with that convention and just didn't stick. I thought it was interesting that they went Athens and Minerva. Yeah. Well, I guess really Rome admired, was still like the really home of Roman. Greece. Yeah. Well, Minerva Rome, is Rome, Roman and Rome, Athens. Rome, rather. And Greece. Yeah. Weird. Hmm. 
interesting. But Rome still, you know, had a lot of power. They sure did for a while there. <laughs> uh, Whatever she... happened to that empire? <laughs> well, let's find out. No, no, I'm so sorry. Continue. Uh, she also grew a lot more interested in other major religions at the time and became particularly learned in the tenets of Judaism and Islam, in addition to the Christianity in which she was raised. That um, makes sense. When you dig into those, you find a lot more similarities than you find differences. Yeah. And it sounded like she was getting, like, I know she definitely studied under a rabbi. I don't know who taught um, her about Islam. You don't think she had, a, like, an imam or... Yeah, I, I not to my knowledge, but she definitely did study it, and she knew Arabic, so she probably studied oh, original geez, yeah, texts. Oh, yeah, that would help, because then she would actually have the correct, like, meaning of the words and not just a translation of them. She also constantly had her connections looking out for a book called The Treaties of the Three Impostors. Have you heard of this? I have not, no. Neither had I. It's kind of like, it's like a mythical book. It's like the Holy Grail, and it's a book. But it's a book. That probably didn't actually exist. Okay. But it was reported to systematically debunk all of the Abrahamic religions, and she wanted to read it, like, super badly. Interesting. I'm sure it was burned if it ever did exist. Mm -hmm. A few hoaxes came a few times between like the 1100s and the 1500s where people were like, here's a book with that title. But Mm -hmm. yeah, if it did exist, I'm sure there aren't really any surviving copies. Well, yeah, because, you know, it would. Yeah. The whole power thing. Super illegal. Yeah. She eventually convinced the philosopher Rene Descartes to come to Stockholm and establish an academy. That didn't super end up working out because A, Descartes and the Queen found out that they hated each other pretty much immediately after cool, meeting cool, cool. each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, tight, tight, tight. Um, <laughs> and then B, he was sort of elderly and not used to the cold, and so he did die of pneumonia pretty quickly oh, after a couple of years. Hmm. Yeah. Sweden couldn't afford sustained patronage of the arts for a longer period of time, so scholars began drifting away after Descartes' death. That makes a fair amount of sense. Gotta By bring, this, gotta bring money in, not just send it out. And that's how business works. <laughs> Capitalist. No. <laughs> Capitalism is a trap. It's evil. It literally kills people. Anyway. By this time, Christina was 25 years old. And she began that's to. very young for all of that to have happened. <laughs> Holy wow. <laughs> she began to burn out too. She had been queen for 20 years by this point. God. It's a long time. That's and too long. She had spent well over a decade working 10 plus hours every single day. So she developed high blood pressure, bad eyesight, and neck pain, and eventually collapsed at one point. Um, Stop talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's a turning point. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. She was eventually treated by a French doctor named Pierre Bordelot. I nailed that pronunciation. You I didn't sure even look it did. up. You did. Dang. Yeah. Um, he was very different from other physicians of the era, mainly in that he did not believe that bloodletting was good at all. That's good, because it's bad for you to lose blood. Mm-hmm. We need it inside of our bodies. That's our that's that's our body juice. <laughs> <laughs> um, he described some cutting-edge modern cures. Um, he had her get lots of sleep and take a lot of warm baths. And <laughs> he was like, you should start eating a lot more nutritious meals instead of skipping meals all the time. Literally do one thing to care for yourself. I'm begging you, Christina. <laughs> Sleep or eat. Drink one glass of water, maybe. Wild concept? <laughs> maybe don't work all the time. <laughs> he he did say, you should stop working so hard. You're 25. You should take more pleasure in life. Oh, goodness. Um, she resisted him at first because she was so used to such an ascetic lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And she was so used to like working hard. But he got her 
with her love of foreign literature and things that she wasn't familiar with. Mm. Because on his um, person, he carried around erotic poetry. Ooh, just but, on him? <laughs> well, like, he had it hidden in his luggage, it said. He had, like, a lot of sonnets by someone named Pietro Arentino, who I've added to our um, just carrying list. carrying his porn around? Well, secretly. S- yes, everyone's porn is secret, quote-unquote. He was an openly gay satirist from the 1500s. Oh, my God. He referred to himself as a practicing sodomite, and well, he reportedly died from laughing too hard. What a guy. <laughs> Well, that's our next episode. <laughs> yeah, I've added him to the list. Thank you. So after her interactions with Pierre Bordelot, Christina began to grow more interested in living a life of pleasures rather than working herself to the bone. Good. And most monarchs, this trait would bankrupt the kingdom until the common folk got their guillotines ready. But yep. instead of that, Christina was like, hey, what if I abdicated? Um, uh, yeah, that, that would... The ruling assembly of Sweden... Move, move to Portland where 25-year-olds <laughs> go to retire. <laughs> Uh, the ruling assembly of Sweden didn't want to accept her resignation at first. She gave them a bunch of reasons, like, I never want to marry, I'm in pain, like, all the time. I'll never give you an heir. Um, you know, a man really should be in charge. Have you thought about that? Maybe you should give it to a man. <coughs> vomit. But, like, that's that kind a of a... vomit sound. Kind of a brilliant... It um, is. It is. Use yeah. sexism to your power, mm-hmm. I guess. She didn't say that by this time she had secretly converted to Catholicism <laughs> because she still wanted to get her stipend. And if you say you're Catholic a bunch of, in front of a bunch of Lutherans in the 1600s. They get mad and stabby. Yeah. But some rumors about that came out, but they weren't confirmed mm-hmm. yet. Wink. Her request to resign was finally granted and she abdicated in June of 1654 when she was 28 years old. That's your age. That is my age. Also, I quit my job in, at the end of June when I was... 28 years parallels <laughs> there's a there's a lot this is actually like kind of creepy <laughs> <laughs> she left sweden a few days later after she abdicated oh i almost missed something okay don't there was a ceremony in which her royal regalia was removed from her one at a time like the scepter this orb like I, the opposite of a yeah. coronation at the end she was left only with her crown and no one wanted to come and be the person to take it off so she hmm. took it off herself which is hmm. very symbolic mm-hmm. and then she gave all of that power to her heir, Charles Gustav. She said that giving her power to make him the king made her feel like God creating the first man. She's pretty tight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Can you j- just imagine that? Like, I'm in charge of an entire country. Mm-hmm. You want it? You want it? Because I have that power. I can give it to you. She, um. Intoxicating. She didn't want to stick around Sweden. She could have, but, you know, she wanted to explore. That was part of the reason. Well, you know, you quit to learn new things. Don't quit to stick around. She left Sweden a few days later with the intent to end up in the Vatican eventually. <laughs> Man, she was really Catholic. That's that's where the parallel kind of ends. <laughs> I'm 0% Catholic. So she cut off her hair and disguised herself as a man. Other than my childhood and baptism. <laughs> she what now? She cut off her hair and disguised herself as a man. Yeah, she did. <laughs> And then she officially converted to Catholicism and began an extravagant tour of the continent. I'm less enthusiastic about the Catholicism, but tell me about this tour. But also, like, at the time, so part of the, the Thirty Year Wars was essentially, like, Catholics versus Protestant. Mm-hmm. And um, at the peace agreements, it was pretty much decided, like, whatever the ruler of a country is, that's what, that's what that's the, the country will be. The country, yeah. So there would have been, like, a huge problem mm-hmm. if she had come out and been, like, I am Catholic. Now everyone's Catholic. Now everyone is Catholic, yeah. But also, 
the um, like high-ranking Catholics at the time said in campaigns to kind of convert rulers specifically. Yeah. And so that's how like the Stuarts um, in England became Catholic. Yeah. And that's and I can how also, she became Catholic. I can understand the draw to Catholicism on, on some levels. Especially someone who's so interested in knowledge. Yeah, because there's a lot of history there and a lot of things to learn. And also the Catholic Church stole a bunch of historical artifacts from all over the world and hoards them like mm-hmm. a giant dragon uh, who's destroying the world slowly, but no one notices. Don't give the Salvation Army money. It's different, but don't just steal. <laughs> just if you want their stuff, just fucking steal it. They're an awful community. They're an awful company and they do horrible things. <laughs> Sorry. I, I am in a mood today. <laughs> The Pope eventually found out that she did convert and um, said that if she would be public about it, like, the reason she wasn't public about her conversion is because she still needed the stipend from Sweden. Yeah, she needs her monies to live. And the Pope was like, if you come out about it, we'll, like, support you. We'll give you lavish um, apartments and, like, you could just live a life of luxury. And she's like, rad. That sounds rad. So she formally said that she converted and went to Rome and the Vatican threw her five festivals along the way for, like, days at a time. It's just like a party train throughout Europe. Dang. She finally arrived in Rome six months after she left Sweden. and the most extravagant pub crawl. <laughs> really. And it culminated with, like, a massive procession into Rome itself um, with 6,000 onlookers and, like, processions of camels and, <laughs> and elephants. It sounded like... That's amazing. It sounded like the um, <laughs> Prince too- Ali's kind yeah. of thing into Agrabah. That's so extravagant. <laughs> that, ugh. That would, that's so annoying. And so much money on stupid shit. <laughs> <laughs> Rich people suck. <laughs> when she was in Rome, Christina began socializing with her men her age. And she grew very close with the Cardinal Decio Azzolino, um, in particular. There were some rumors that they had a, quote, lusty affair I think personally that they were like really good friends. Maybe mm-hmm. they did some stuff Maybe together. Maybe she was Who bi. knows? Maybe she was like, eh, let's see what it's all about, you know? Mm-hmm. But as you learn more Been about there. him, like, I'm, it sounds like their friendship was just like super, super strong and it definitely outlasted any romance that they had, which is nice. Uh, he was a code breaker, which is pretty cool. That um, is cool. After there were more rumors about their affair, Azolino was sent away by the church um, to serve in Romania. Because they didn't want to have, like, rumors of a cardinal and a former queen, you know, hooking mm-hmm. up all the time. Yeah, that would be that would be bad. But Azzolino and Christina exchanged dozens of letters in their own code that they created, which were um, not broken until the 19th century. So, like, their code that they created lasted for a couple hundred years, which That's... is nice. And they remained friends for the rest of their lives. Aw. Yeah, that just sounds like a really good friendship. Should we create a code? Yes, we should. Excellent. Christina lived a lavish life in Rome for a year, um, and she constantly threw salons and hosted foreign, like, scholars and just, you know, lived her best life. But she knew that relying on the Pope for the rest of her life would be unsustainable, so she decided to get a job. Oh, good for her. But she looked at her resume, and she only really had one job on it. Queen? So she decided to stick with that experience and become the queen of a small nation. Um, she just de- she just decided to do it. <laughs> she looked around the area and she saw that like 
Napoli was under Spanish control, but France was looking to take it over and install a monarch. And she's like, hey, I'm a monarch. monarch. (laughs) So she went to France to lobby for the position. And to her surprise, she wasn't warmly welcomed uh, because the people were there were shocked by her androgyny and her etiquette. She sat with her legs crossed. Oh, my God. God. And the way that she would hit on French noble women, they were like, oh, gasp, zut alors, they would say. Zut alors. I would also hit on French noble women, let's be real. Uh, she did manage to the charm. parallels, I'm sorry. <laughs> she did manage to charm the king of France and was given the go ahead to rule Napoli. However, shortly after she was given the go ahead, um, Napoli was struck by the bubonic plague, so they turned their caravan around and went back to Paris. Go Good, figure. because that would, you, you wouldn't want to go there. You would not want to go there at that time, no. Uh, the king gave her a very nice set of apartments in the palace of Fontainebleau, uh, which were just outside of the Paris city limits. That sounds pretty. Christina's horsemaster was the Marché Jean Renaldo Manaldeschi. Um, he that's was. A, that's a name. It sure is. I got it right that first time, and you didn't have to come over and help me. No, I didn't, and I don't know why you'd bring that up at all. It's really weird. Mm-hmm. He was the uh, leader of the French party in Italy at the time, um, and he worked for her. Um, and she found out that he was spying on her and sending letters of what she was doing and thinking to the Pope. Oh no! I think the Pope. He was sending her to someone. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Um, so she ordered his execution. The main problem with that is that she wasn't a queen and didn't really have the authority to do that. Ugh. Although, under the laws of justice, she was still within her rights, mm-hmm. more or less. But she Within her rights to order a man's death? A man within her court's death. Okay, okay, then, yeah, okay, 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 I guess. Okay. Um, the way she did it was not great, and I would recommend any squeamish listeners to go forward about a minute or so i'm not going to go into detail about what exactly that's good happened um but she summoned a priest to the palace to receive the marche's uh pre-execution confession and the priest was horrified and begged her not to have the sentence carried out but she gave the order so members of her entourage began to chase the marches around the palace trying to stab him uh-huh. um but he was wearing chain mail and they uh-huh. eventually were able to execute him in a way that was more messy and gruesome than they initially intended. Uh. Um, Christina went to a monastery to say the mass for Mandalashi's burial, and she said that she did not regret it and that she was sorry that she had been forced to undertake this execution, but that justice had been carried out for his crime and betrayal. Uh, she prayed for God to forgive him and washed her hands of the matter. And people were horrified that she had just murdered somebody. Yeah, I am also horrified that she just murdered somebody. The parallels? No, I've never (laughs) murdered anybody or anything. (laughs) To her credit, she still took full responsibility. People started saying, you should just blame the murder on the guy who ended up stabbing him. And she was like, (laughs) no, I'm the queen. I said, stab this man. And she was technically within her rights to have him murdered, but she was kicked out of France. And so she went back to Rome. And the people of Rome didn't welcome her there either because of the whole murder thing. Makes sense. The Pope later referred to her as a, quote, a woman born of a barbarian, barbariously brought up and living with barbarous thoughts. (laughs) 
So she was able to crash with the nobleman for a little while, but she didn't really have anywhere to stay, and she was running out of money. And her best friend, Azolino, came in and clutch. And he arranged for her to move into his palazzo across town and set her up with a whole new household staff. What um, a nice friend. She began to hold more salons with Europe's most esteemed artists and intellectuals, and that palazzo would be her home for the rest of her life. She filled it with tapestries and a huge art collection. Hmm. She still moved around Europe for the next few years, um, visiting different places, until the Pope died and was replaced by Pope Clement IX, who was actually a good friend of hers. He had been to quite a few of her salons, and he agreed with her in terms of like reducing nepotism within the church. Mm. Christina was in Hamburg when she heard the news, and so she threw a huge party, but it was a fiercely Protestant city, and so there was a riot, and so she did have to escape out the back door. <laughs> Gosh, just keeps things keep just happening, huh? <laughs> she began to clash with her Pope friend over a few things, namely the treatment of Rome's Jewish population. Mm-hmm. Unsurprisingly, Rome was a very anti-Semitic place. I'm not shocked. And there were a lot of crimes against Jewish people that were legal. Mm-hmm. And so she was able to convince the um, Pope to re- make it a lot of the crimes illegal. Well, that's good. Yes. And she was eventually named the Protectress of the Jews of Rome. She's still, like, she's still like, she didn't solve anti-Semitism. <laughs> no, she didn't. She, obviously, she didn't fix anti-Semitism. And she also did, you know, murder a man. She did do the murder. I can't, I really can't get that out of my head. But she had had other people put to death before as queen as well. Yeah. But it's not the same. It's not as messy yeah. and, like, right there. Yeah, I don't know. I have, I feel, I feel weird. I yeah. feel weird. Anyway. She founded the first public theater in Rome. That's cool. I yeah. like. I love a public theater. After her friend t- Pope died, future popes disapproved of theater and forbade women from singing, acting, or wearing low-cut gowns. <laughs> Rude. Christina was like, <laughs> you're crazy. And then she started hosting the plays in her own home and continued to hire actresses for the roles. because and giving she... them low-cut gowns. Yeah. yeah. For, you know, for, for, for noble art purposes and also to get hot actresses into her house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In 1660, Christina's cousin, the king of Sweden, died. So she went to Sweden and she tried to pull a, well, technically I only abdicated to Charles, so maybe I should be queen again. (laughs) And they were all like, no, you're Catholic. And she was like, oh, fair. (laughs) That's so funny. When she was in Sweden that time, she tried to reconnect with her beloved Ava, but Mm. their family blocked it. So Mm. she wasn't able to. That's sad. And then she tried for her third throne post-abdication in 1668 when the king of Poland abdicated. Mm -hmm. Poland had an elective monarchy, and Christina was eligible through her mother. Um, So she had the support of the pope to become the queen of Poland, but was ultimately defeated by someone who actually grew up in Poland. That makes sense. Christina died on April 19th, 1689, one day away from 420, which I feel like (laughs) if weed was a thing back then, she would have appreciated. So close. Uh, she was 62 years old for the 1600s. That's a, I mean, she was a rich person. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, scholars think she died from a combination of diabetes, strep, and pneumonia. <laughs> that'd, that'd fucking do it. <laughs> her best friend, Azulina, was at her bedside, and she named him her heir. Hmm. She requested a, a kind of modest, quiet funeral, but the Pope who was reigning at the time was like, no. Hmm. You're a very high-ranking Catholic, and everybody knows who you are, so you're going to get a lavish funeral. 
Ridiculous. Um, so that he had her embalmed. He covered her in jewels and furs, and he interned her in the Vatican's grotto, where all of the popes are buried mm-hmm. specifically. And she's one of only three women who have been buried there. Amazing. And that concludes what I have researched and found out about Christina, the Queen of Sweden. King of Sweden. King of Sweden. What an interesting person. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Seriously, a lot of weird parallels with my life. Yeah. <laughs> no murders yet. No murders, and I I have no murders planned. Awesome. Thank you so much for teaching us about Queen Christina, King of Sweden. Yes. Um, I had a lot of fun. I did too. I, I liked this. Mm-hmm. I liked this very many. Um, also, thank you, Leslie, for our beautiful logo design. Leslie, you light up the world with art and animation. I'm seeing Leslie later this month, and I'm so excited. Please give her one hug that is specifically from me. I will do that. So hug her. Whisper into her ear, this is from Shan. Okay, I will do that. This is not from Allison. Please do not derive any affection toward Allison from this hug. Direct your affection toward Shan. What I'll do is I will isolate that soundbite. I'll have it ready. I'll make her put headphones on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I will put the earphones in her ears. Yep. I will hug her and I will press play and continue hugging her while that plays. That's that's perfect. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like your style. Um. Hey, do you like this podcast, listener? Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. you weren't shy. I'm sorry. Um. <laughs> if you, it's a if dumb you joke. feel <laughs> if I you feel so moved, jokes. you could support us in a couple of ways. The maybe most important one is to leave a review and rating in probably specifically it's, um, it's the Apple re- Podcasts. It's, yeah, the yeah. reviews and ratings on iTunes are honestly the best way to support us. And so if you want to do that, please do. We might give you a little shout out. If you feel moved to support us financially, we mm-hmm. do have a Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash vintagelespod. And there is bonus content. There is content we're planning to make more but also it in does... this case is singular <laughs> um basically the the patreon covers our hosting costs it helps us to upgrade our microphones so we sound nicer um and honestly it helps us know that there are actually people out there listening who want more of this content mm-hmm. so there you are yeah i think that's yeah say that's, you don't that's our thing right say you don't want to support us by writing a review but you're still interested in keeping up with just generally our lives oh you could do um fuck what's the thing it's like um it's like a friendship and relationships and like when you're together with other people and and communal yeah uh, the communal media um uh like um the um we're funny the quick photo this right here this is what we're doing right now is very funny quick photo that was instagram i got it (laughs) quick photo and uh burble and I don't know what Burble is. I think maybe Twitter. It's Twitter. Okay. And and um and also uh, bringing the... home with Facebook. Come on, Shan, you got this. <laughs> and also head tome. Um, <laughs> yeah, you could yeah you could follow us on there. Us, We're um, at Vintage Les Pod. At vintage Les Pod on all of those things. That's Vintage L E S P O D. Yeah. And you can follow us personally. I'm at Just a Shan on all the things. Just a Shan underscore. And I'm at. Allison Humphreys. You figure out how to spell it. Shan, do you think we'll ever, like, tell them that 
pod doesn't it's not short for podcast it's actually a reference to the um hit 2000s metal christian band pod no no okay no i don't think they're ready for that'll that. still be our secret for yeah. now you're gonna cut that out right oh absolutely. yeah yeah absolutely. for sure anyway thanks for listening thanks for listening we love you we love you so much bye, bye. and that was vintage last year.